there. We're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Some would say Jesus is a prophet, and that only. Some would say he's a philosopher, a teacher, a friend. Some of you would call him healer. Some would call him an enemy. Some would call him a boss, which is good or bad, depending on the context. Jesus is boss. That's probably a good thing, depending on your boss. Some would say Jesus is a joke. Some would say he's a lunatic, a liar. Some would call him Lord. Others would say, and this is a highly used one that I want to kind of hone in on this morning, Jesus is an option. Jesus is an option. Some of you, your whole life, Jesus has been an option. He's never been more than that. He's never been greater than your circumstance. He's been an option. Go out and buy a car. You have an option to have leather seats or heated seats or just two seats because you don't want to crowd your car. Some of you want eight seats, big trunk. Those are all options depending on what you're looking for. Options. The options that you may be chasing often depend on where you are in your life. Yes? We just had a van that is no longer feasible, usable. The van was really nice when I first got it because we had little babies. Now my babies have become big babies. Not quite babies anymore, so now we got to change, and our options have changed because we outgrew it. Dare I say this morning, maybe somebody in this room outgrew who Jesus is. Maybe you've come to a point in your life where Jesus is still an option. Years later, Jesus is option B. Can I tell you something? If you truly follow Jesus, there should never be an option B. There should always be Jesus. Somehow, someway, Jesus is the answer. And he may not give you the answer what you need right now, at least the way you think you should be. How many have ever prayed for something and when you got something similar, you were like, that's not what I really prayed for. But then maybe some of you later on said, that's exactly what I needed. And so God knew your heart because he knew your need. Jesus is what? I believe the biggest battle we face in life is who Jesus is. Is he an accessory to my life? I go about my life and Jesus is an option. Jesus is my heated seat. He is my sunroof. No pun intended there. Jesus is what I need at the moment. Some of you 
Maybe you've outgrown Jesus. At least you think you have. Jesus will surprise you. Just when you think you figured him out, you didn't. I find that the more I know about Jesus, the more I learn about Jesus, the more I realize I don't know. The more I dig into who Jesus is, let me tell you something. There's so much more that I cannot release to you in one short morning of who Jesus is. But we see examples throughout the Bible of who Jesus is. We look throughout the scripture and we see and respect on who God is, right? We look throughout scripture and we see how people viewed Jesus, how people viewed God. And dare I say, the way they viewed Jesus determined a lot of the, the, uh, the turnaround and what took place. Let's take, for instance, in Luke chapter 18, the rich young ruler who came right to Jesus and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Watch this. Jesus said, you know what? Follow the commands. Jesus, and then the rich young ruler said, cool, I do that. I've been doing that. Sweet. I'm going to go ahead and check that off my list. And he says, oh yeah, by the way, sell all your possessions. And follow me. Wait, what? You want me to sell everything I am and everything I have? Because guess what? They're one and the same in the culture in which we live. What you have is who you are in our culture today. I've heard it be said, you could tell the wealth of a man by his watch and the worth of a man by his worship. Maybe it's true. I've had cheap watches and expensive watches, never changed who I was, but my worship does determine some things about my life. It also determines who Jesus is. We look at the rich young ruler, we understand that he walked back after talking to Jesus. Then there's Ananias and Sapphira who held back. In Acts chapter 5, their outcome was not so good. If you read it, they held back what they were supposed to give to the church. And this is not an offering talk, by the way. <laughs> and they look at them and they say, oh yeah, the people that are about to bury you are at the door. <laughs> they dropped dead. They held back. So we have, we have the rich young ruler who walked back, Ananias and Sapphira who held back, Lot's wife who, come on somebody, you read that book too? She looked back, Lot's wife said, they were given instructions, run this way and don't look, what? Back. She was salty at that point and things got really bad. See what I did there? In all seriousness, these are all takes on scripture on who did what when they knew what Jesus or God had said. So some of us in our lives, we find ourselves asking, who is Jesus today? Right? Who is Jesus today? Because, man, my life is so shaky, I'm not sure who Jesus is today. Ask me this an hour from now and I might give you a different answer. <laughs> right? Am I the only one? Somebody nodded me. Yeah, well, I am the only one? Or you know what I'm talking about. Okay, both. 
Jesus is. Because it depends what I'm going through to determine that sometimes, doesn't it? John tells us and very clearly that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? You know that one? Because they hold it up in, in, in baseball stadiums. In football stadiums, they hold up John 3.16. They don't hold up John 3.17. God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Oh, and they don't even go into 18. That there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But it doesn't get better. It gets harsher. Because here what it says, but anyone that does not believe in him has already been judged and not believing God's only son. And the judgment is based on this. So believing him is the precedence for all things blessing. Not trusting in him is the beginning of all things cursed. Listen, you may have walked in here this morning and you don't know a lick about Jesus. Did you know that that doesn't change how much God loves you? Not for a single moment does that change how much God loves you. That's comforting to me because I've messed up several times in my life. Has anybody else messed up in their lives? Testimony, praise report right there. No one about to give praise report? No? Okay. I think most of us would say, you know what, Pastor Tony, I messed up, but I care not to share. Because sharing is not caring at this moment. But I, I want to share with you three quick thoughts this morning. By quick, I mean preachy quick. It's not quick for real. Just preachy quick. Number one, Jesus is better than what you are afraid of giving up. Can I tell you I love this point? Because I constantly talk with people who say, I, I love Jesus, but I want to follow God, but Pastor Tony, I really love your church, but I really want to go to church, but in the heart of all of that, there's some truth that schedules in life get in the way. I understand that. But I also understand that there are people that legitimately can give things up in their lives to Jesus as an offering. And they don't. They hold back, look back, even walk back. Because they're afraid of giving back. I'm telling you today that Jesus is better than anything you feel like you can't give up. If you struggle with an addiction, if you're struggling with sins in your life, if you're saying, you know what, I just want a normal life with the sprinkling of Jesus. And some wouldn't say that, but many are thinking it. I want to live a good life. What that means oftentimes by many people's perspective is this. I want to do everything that I want to do but I want to sprinkle some Jesus on it because good people have Jesus in their lives so I want to do what I want to do but I want to sprinkle some Jesus and can I tell you something if you're going to sprinkle Jesus 
that'll change the entire recipe. It changes everything. Because nobody can sprinkle Jesus and have a life changed. It's about giving your life completely to him. So maybe you walked in here today and you know Jesus. Great, fantastic. I bet there's some things you can still give to him today. And maybe you were afraid of giving him yesterday. But I believe you can be a little braver today. Be willing to give him something. What is that addiction? What is that? Is it success? Is that the thing that you're afraid of letting go of? You say, you know what? I want to be successful. I want to be driving. And in order to do that, I, can't, I really can't connect with the church. I really can't create a relationship with Jesus because I'm an entrepreneur and I want to be driven this way. Right? I'm driven this way. This is the way I got to. And it takes my Sundays and it takes my everydays and it takes my family and it takes me to travel. And it takes me. So you're defining success maybe a little differently than God does. That doesn't mean you can't be driven. Absolutely, you can be, still be driven. But what drives you? That's the question. The idea that we're given our lives and we add Jesus is a completely false idea. It completely has the, the mindset that I can have my cake and eat it too. Right? You heard that before? In fact, the idea that we can now be without Jesus and still have joy and peace the world wants to define and redefine what living life truly is. You only live once, right? YOLO. You only live once, so live it to the fullest. Right? Um, false. You live every day of your life. And the fact is, today you have to choose. That's why Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That's why Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. Why? I'm glad you asked. Because every day of your life, you have to recommit yourself to following the dream, following the purpose, following the vision for your life. Jesus is better than anything you're afraid of giving up today. He's better. Philippians says it like this. Watch this. Philippians says this. I once thought these things were valuable. That, talking about possessions. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake. No, 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 no. Not your sake. For his sake. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. I say that's a good exchange, would you? How many would say that's a good exchange? I hand over all my garbage and I get Christ. Good exchange? Not for him, because he gets garbage. And then he gives his life for you. But again, Jesus is. To you, what is it? I'm challenging you to hold on to this and stare at this for a moment. 
I'm challenging you to look deeper because it's more than a religion. It's more than a a faith. It's more than just going to a place, a location, going to church. Listen, this changes everything. Who is Jesus? Jesus is. He's better than anything we could ever possess. Maybe that's what you plan on writing. But I also want to tell you the second thought is simply this. Jesus is better than the alternatives. Jesus is better than the alternatives. What are the alternatives? Choosing my own way, choosing my own path, creating my own religion. In fact, we see this in Hollywood, don't we? Anybody? We see Hollywood celebrities that their opinion seems to be weightier than ours, but they have blood that goes through veins just like we do. And somehow their opinion matters. Can I tell you something? Everybody in God's eyes is viewed the same, is loved the same, is cared for the same. Politician, Hollywood celebrity, Grammy Award winning, Dove Award winning, dare I say that? None of that holds weight at the throne of Jesus. Who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is better than the alternatives. And I forgot to grab it on the way out this morning, but some time ago I I got this wireless charger and I just lay my device on it and it wirelessly charges my device. The problem was it wasn't charging it. I plugged it in, follow all the instructions. There's not much instructions. Plug in, lay on. That's pretty much it. I plugged it in and I laid it on and the thing said "Eh." well it didn't say that but that's what it said in my head because it wasn't charging and I moved it I shifted I did all these things nada it's sole purpose was to charge my stinking device and it didn't even do that you have one job charger one job Charge my device. And that thing would not charge my device. Faulty. Just like a lot of religion out there. Promises a lot of power. Promises opportunity. Promises you to be filled. And leaves you rejected. Neglected. Dare I say powerless. Friend, Jesus is better than the alternatives. There are things that Jesus may confront you about. Can I tell you something? I need you to, I need you to hear what I'm about to tell you because some of you need to hear this. There are some people that God has put in your life to help you get closer to him that you have outrightly rejected. There are people in your life that God has put, has told you things time and time again, and you refuse to say yes. You refuse to receive it. You refuse to accept him. Can I tell you something? 
Don't lie to yourself and think that you alone have the answers. There's not a single person in this room, including myself, that has all the answers. And here's my third and final point. Are you ready? Some of you are like, third and final? I'm ready. (laughs) Jesus is not mad at you. I know that these are not probably the Jesuses that you would have put in your sheet or card this morning. Jesus is not mad at me. But maybe it's something to consider. Landmines are very real on the field. Those of you that done military, served on military, landmines are very real. Landmines are put where you can't see them until it's too late. I dare say this morning that there are landmines that the enemy has laid in your life because you've allowed it. He can't touch your life unless you give him permission. There are landmines that have been put in your life. You don't see it till it's too late. And some of you think that God is mad at you. You stepped on a landmine that said, God is mad at you. Can I tell you something? If you're here and breathing, he's not mad at you. Because if he was mad at you, you wouldn't be here and breathing. Can I just relieve you of that for a moment? Jesus is not mad at you. That's not the same as God does not receive your worship sometimes because of sin in your life. There are times that we are singing one song and living another. That worship is on pause till you get some things right. Jesus, in some way, he may be hurt, even upset about some things that are going on in your life, but that's coming from a place of love because he created you for more. But he's not mad at you. He doesn't like the sin that often permeates our lives. Are you hearing me? Can I get your attention for just a few more moments? And I want you to just focus in on this thought for a moment. He's not mad at you. Some of you here today may have thought, even on your way into this building, you knew here, came to Jesus this morning, you said, you know what? I'm glad to hear, Tony. You don't think God is mad at me, but you don't know my life. Here's the truth. He does, and he loves you anyway, and that's the beautiful promise. Luke 15 was interesting because if you look at Luke 15, verse 12, or verses 1 through 2, rather, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus. See, a lot of people think that sinners, like, dodge Jesus. In fact, it was the Christians? that dodged Jesus? They weren't called Christians yet because Christ hadn't, you know, done the whole death thing. The whole resurrection thing. The whole I'm coming back thing. He hadn't done that yet. So there's no Christians. But I tell you what, tax collectors that people knew, they were straight up thieves. Dishonest individuals. Notorious It's funny because it says tax collectors and other notorious sinners. 
Like it's not saying the adulteress and other sinners, right? Not the people that stole things and others. It's just tax, specifically tax collectors. So these are the people that are identified as notorious. They came to listen to Jesus teach. Why? I, I, I tend to believe that Jesus loved people in a way that people didn't understand back then. Because they weren't as close to the Father yet. And Jesus was showing that example, right? There were people that loved God, I'm sure. And we know that, right? We know that. The disciples wouldn't do what they did if they didn't love God. But there was a level of connection that Jesus had with the Father that goes on to say, this made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even (gasps) eating with them. I love to eat with people that don't think like me. Because a lot, a lot of people open up when there's food on the table. You ever heard too much information at a table where there's food? You're like, you're trying to eat a piece of chicken, minding your own bits, or you're gnawing at a pork chop like me? You're sitting at a table eating, and somebody says too much information, you're like... Wait, time out. What did you just say? And why did you say that? Food brings out the best and the worst in everybody. True? Some of you know that because you ate meals with your parents and your neighbors and your friends. And you had to kind of like, what just happened? Here's what I learned. The people who liked Jesus were the ones that were least like him. Some people believe that if they can just go to church, maybe God will hear them. Look at me. You can pray right now and God will hear you. They can go to church. If they can just go to church... They would not be spiritually bankrupt any longer. I'm talking to Christians too. I'm talking to everyone in this room. Because guess what? He loves you. And he's not mad at you. Jesus is what? Matthew 15 says something very deliberate. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Ouch. They say things that are right. How many of you have ever said the right answers, but you knew your heart was wrong? Show of hands. Fess up. You knew the right answer. I've been there. Christian or non. I've been in that place where I found myself honoring God with my lips, but my heart was not quite there. Their worship is a farce, and they teach man-made ideas, commands that are not of God. Can I tell you something? I decided when we started this church eight years ago, we will never turn anybody away by how they're dressed. That's why one week you may see me with a suit. Next week you may see me with a casual shirt. Next week I'll have jeans. Next week I'll have khakis. Surprise. Why? Because man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. We have a dress code, and here it is. 
wear something. Why? Because Jesus isn't concerned with you getting a certain amount of clean before hearing your prayer. There's a high probability that many of you think you need to do something for him to hear you. You can open your mouth today and ask God anything. And I believe he can hear you. There's a high probability that most of the things you think you need to do to know God are really just man-made ideas. Here's, here's the simplicity of it. Are you ready? Because I have an evangelistic heart, and here it is. Number one, believe that you're a sinner. And number two, believe that there's a man named Jesus that can cover it. Right? That's what they're learning back there, by the way. That's why they're so excited. God is not impressed by your good life. You hear me? God is not impressed with a good life. You know what he is impressed with? Watch this. A surrendered heart. That's what he's looking for. And today, are you willing to surrender all? Listen, if you're not willing to surrender all, then this is not what I'm asking you. Then you're not ready yet. Then you can just admit, I'm not ready yet. But if today you're willing to say, I think I know who Jesus is to me. Because guess what? Maybe Jesus is something different when you walked in than what he is right now. So I, I propose this thought. You want to live a good life? How many want to live a good life? Successful? Yes. Relatively successful to some degree? I want to at least provide for my family, right? I want to be able to, when I retire, actually retire. There's an idea, right? The truth is that we need to surrender everything we are. And there's not a single person in this room that doesn't call this moment a very important moment. Some of you may look at this and say, this is not a big deal to answer this. Because Jesus is whatever. He is what he is. But I'm going to ask you in this room, if you can, bow your heads with me. All across this room. As I pray over you, I want you to hold on to this card in your hand right now. Grab the card. Bow your head. And maybe even, if you wish, close your eyes. And I want to pray over you one simple prayer, and here it is. Father God, I ask you that every person at the sound of my voice would come to a place today where they recognize that not only did you come, but that you died. Not only did you resurrect, but that you'll come again. Lord, I pray for every person at the sound of my voice today that are trying to figure out who Jesus is. That today, they would understand who Jesus is. Father God, I'm asking you today that each one would consider Christ 
to be Lord if he's not already. And if he is, oh God, would you let them define who they need you to be for them right now? That's why, Jesus, you said I am. In Jesus' name.